Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We're so glad you could join us, and uh, we are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time, but we need help. The problems that are going on right now, the multitude, the numbers, the, the volume of everything is so much that no one person, no one show can do it. So please take shows like this and share, particularly with liberals. Don't do echo chamber work. Go to liberals and show them the cost of their blind support and what their hatred of Donald Trump is leading them to do, which is to destroy their own family. So please share this far and wide. Along those lines, ladies and gentlemen, we have a couple sponsors, and I hope you're listening. The banks are teetering. I must have got 50 emails on this yesterday. The banks are teetering. You need to look at what Noble Gold's doing. They have gold and silver investment programs. They want to sell you gold and silver, and now's the time to buy because the price is being held down because the rich are buying too, and this is the time to buy. And they can protect your IRA, your 401k. They do the conversions. And they got nice little perks to do business with them, too. They're the best customer service I have ever seen. I am a customer of Noble Gold. I have to say this legally, FTC. Uh, past earnings, no guarantee of future earnings, and there's always a risk involved whenever you do anything financial. Okay, I've been a customer of theirs for four years. Need I say more? So get a hold of Noble Gold right now. Go to goldbeforelate.com, and they'll send you a free, no-obligation information package, and then you'll have to call them because they're not pushy. So goldbeforelate.com. Another big item on the list that you really need to look at, I told you the railroad strike was not over. I said the railroad workers themselves had not agreed. It was the ancillary groups, and people said, oh, Dave, you're just fear-mongering. Well, the deal fell apart this week, and 62% of all agriculture is shipped by rail. Need I say more? And then you got Klaus Schwab trying to force bugs down your throat and Bill Gates helping him in this country by buying up farmland. Don't you think you should buy as much storable food as you can? Hedge against inflation, which in some foodstuffs, it's 10, 20, 30% now based on the report we had the other day. So I would suggest you get your storable food. My Patriot Supply is one of the few still in business. Oh yeah, most of them sold out to the government. Their, their operators can't even get food orders. And uh, this is why My Patriot Supply is still there. They haven't raised prices. They still have specials. They still have restaurant quality food. I've had this food. I said, well, can I live on this for a few days? And I tried it. I said, this is good. The variety is such you won't get sick of it. And the price is really good. And it's a great hedge against inflation. Go to foodwithdave.com. That's foodwithdave.com. And then finally, one last thing. If we're going to suffer, let's suffer in comfort. The Mike Lindell people reached out to us said, uh, hey, we, we share something in common. We know the election was stolen. We're election deniers. Let's celebrate. Yeah, I agree. They're giving all their product line to my audience right here on the Common Sense Show for half price or two for one or even greater greater savings all you got to do is go to mystore.com and put in hodges mystore.com put in hodges and we have it all they say can we send you samples i go we already have them <laughs> you guys are too late to the party for us but we already have them but mystore.com the code is hodges okay that's our sponsors for today we're like the bbc commercials up front here we go our guest is tom rents uh tom first made his splash on the national stage my representing the frontline doctors, the very, very brave people that stood up to overwhelming tyranny, uh, the enforcement of government lies and deadly and lethal injections. And now we're starting to see the fruition of what was done to us. And uh, Tom was right there on the front lines. And now he's turned his attention in a different direction. 
it's going to be involved in the courtroom, but there's other stuff that he's involved in that you desperately need to know about, and you sure won't hear about it in the mainstream media. Tom, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, you got that one right, Dave. I have never seen so much effort to cover up what anybody's doing as what we're seeing right now. Uh, it is absolutely, even by my scales, because I'm censored on everything, but it is unprecedented. I have never seen anything like it. Yeah, we are totally living in communist Russia. Uh, it's, we have state-owned media where they uh, government colludes with uh, big tech to censor. And we, we know now, I saw Baron Berenson was on Fox the other night. And he won his court case proving collusion between government and Twitter. Um, I mean, it's amazing. And and I know that you've been hit with this really hard. I've talked to Clay Clark about this. I know you're on his tour quite a bit. And uh, he's told me about what's going on with him. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, yeah, it is. I listened to it an interview weird. the other day just to show you how bad it is. It was local to Phoenix, the largest radio station in the state, gone totally liberal whack jobs. They got a talk show host named Larry Gatos. He had on a state senator who's running for secretary of state. And the guy didn't say the election was stolen. Here's what he said in the interview. He said 55,000 ballots could not be accounted for because people moved out of state. The voter rolls were not updated. There was an unreported voter breach into the voter rolls, which could uh, lead you to suspect some of these ballots have been altered. People showing up at the polls uh, to turn in their vote. And they said, you've already voted when they hadn't. And he said, there are problems. The host, Larry Gatos, here's how they handled it. You get this, too. Here's what they said. Uh, you're lying. You're debunked. You're an election denier. I could never vote for someone like you. You're just nothing but a crazy conspiracy theorist. Can't, and all this guy did was name call for 45 minutes. And are you getting this kind of treatment, too, when, when you get any exposure? Well, you got to understand, they've tried that with me already, and it didn't work because, uh, you know, I mean, my job's lawyer, so when you call me names, I'm pretty quick at calling them back or undermining yeah. your argument. Okay. You know, so uh, what they've done with me is just dead silence. I can't even get them to rip on me. I'd be okay with their, if they ripped on me because that'd just uh, shine more light on what I'm doing. Uh, they, so right now, nothing. I mean, we launched, Dave. We launched a billion dollar lawsuit against the people who created a pandemic that killed six and a half million people, shut down our economy, and launched into all this chaos that we have. And you have not seen it in one mainstream press outlet. Not one. I mean, can you? this is the equivalent to someone going after Hitler in World War II, and uh, not a peep. Not a peep. It's unbelievable. The, uh, the suppression, the censorship, just mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. I mean, we've got a first-hand witness that worked at the company that is testifying and we're alleging that they created SARS-CoV-2 in the lab in Wuhan and we're going to, you know, I believe we're going to prove it at court and yet nothing. Crickets. Crickets. I can't even get the Republicans to talk about it. It's because they take donations from the same companies. Yes, they do. That's yes, they do. Why. Outside of a handful of them with some actual courage. Uh, you know, it, it is a battle. So yeah, I, uh, I, I find, I find it troubling because, you know, these guys try and portray themselves as news when they're not, they're just propaganda, they're marketing arms. 
And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll Eventually we'll be able to launch a lawsuit on that one, too, but that's why we're, we're trying to build capacity right now to launch more lawsuits. You know, I, I don't want to rain on the parade here, but if you can't, when the Supreme Court refused to hear even one case of voter fraud because the president, the principal involved in the in the in the litigation, they say he doesn't have standing. Are you getting the same kind of approach in this topic? You don't have standing. Well, we've seen a lot of that, and I think a lot of it is I disagree with a lot of it, frankly. But the at the end of the day, actually, I've got a case that we're probably going to be appealing to the Supreme Court right now that will hopefully i don't know maybe uh maybe put a little bit of a crack in that legal shield but yeah they've tried a lot you know everything gets thrown out on standing everything gets thrown out because you know you 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 can't show concrete and particularized injury and you know all this nonsense and it's you know this is a real real fundamental issue in the legal system our courts have it set up right now through common law, through, through uh, you know, not it's not statutory. It's not constitutional, at least not enumerated. It's the interpretation of the Constitution and the statutes. And they've essentially interpreted it where you just, you can't sue the federal government. Well, if that's the case, you know, we're, how do we, the people, bring accountability? I mean, if, the, if two of the three branches are corrupt, how do we bring accountability if the third won't look at it? You know, uh, so so this is a real fundamental issue. Now, I do think that, you know, there, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. And, for example, in the case that we filed, uh, yeah, there shouldn't be a standing issue. I mean, there's no question what's going on here. And uh, had we sued the federal government, they would have probably argued about standing. But we didn't. We sued a private company. Okay. And it's going to be very hard to argue that there's no standing when we're suing a private company. Which company are you suing? We're suing EcoHealth Alliance. We've alleged that they've uh, that they were the ones that that are responsible for creating this in Wuhan, and uh, you know we had Dr. Andrew Huff, who who actually worked there, who's given us a, a statement under penalty of perjury that that that's the case. So, uh, you know, the, one of the big fundamental differences in this case and a lot of the other cases that are out there is that we're actually, we're suing a private company. We're not suing the federal government. If we'd done that, the courts would probably, you know, fuss around with the standing stuff. But uh, by, by keeping this focused on the private company that actually did it, uh, or at least we believe they did it, well, we hope to show they did it, uh, it should avoid some of those issues. Okay, I think that's really, really good strategy. I let me play speculation on my end because I'm not the attorney, the expert you are, but I want to tell you what I was told, but I don't know that I could take it into court and I didn't pursue it hard enough, Tom, because I didn't understand it at the time. But in 2014, I was covering the Ukraine overthrow where the CIA was using proxies to assassinate Russian owned leaders controlling Ukraine and they forced that regime change. And uh, a couple of things. One, I won't get into here, but I said Germany and France will one day leave NATO and join Russia because of the gas issue. And I said, this is really a surfacing here. And uh, it looks now like Germany is really in trouble. So that was one. But here's the big thing for our discussion. I, I had information, and Paul Preston has some of the same information, 
but it's from these woo-woo sources in the dark that are afraid of their own shadow and won't go public. But Paul was told exactly the same thing I was, that Devin Archer and uh, Hunter Biden accompanied a biological shipment in 2014 from one of the Ukraine weapons labs, uh, and it went to Wuhan. And at the time, I just speculated. Uh, I said, I have an unnamed source that shows this. And I speculated, gee, are, are, why are we sending the Chinese uh, uh, chemical and or biological weapons? That was my conclusion. And this is when uh, Mitt Romney's involvement in that crap over there came up, uh, as, long, as well as John Kerry's son. That was also part of my report. This was eight and a half years ago. Uh, does this sound anything like what you're looking at or have found? Well, so there's all sorts of tentacles in this, right? Now, we've alleged, and Dr. Huff has testified, and we, you know, we've provided corroborating evidence on the fact that we believe that the SARS-CoV-2 was created around 2015 in that lab. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't doing this work before that, but the timeline that you just laid out would fit because if some of the stuff was shipped over there to do that work around then, I believe that's uh, that's one one of the one of the uh, the particular phase of this sort of experimentation occurred uh, started was around 2014. So that would fit. The other thing that we know is so we've got Hunter Biden was invested in Metabiota. Metabiota has ties to both Ukrainian and to the Wuhan uh, you know laboratories, and you know what they did there we can't say for sure. They may end up becoming a necessary party to the suit. We don't know. But what we do know is that they were a partner with EcoHealth Alliance in the creation of SARS-CoV-2. Now, what their specific role was in that, I don't know. But they were listed as a partner, along with UC Davis and some other places. Oh, boy. And uh, they were, you know, so I think one of the most fundamental questions related to our lawsuit, not directly in our lawsuit, but who knows what we might find, is did Hunter Biden actually make money off of the creation of SARS-CoV-2? And, you know, if that's the case, then uh, it would it would make total sense why we can't get any politicians to talk about this, because the political embarrassment of a president, you know, the president's son making money off of a pandemic uh, disease that, that's killed six and a half million people globally, it's resulted in these death jabs. It's resulted in lockdowns, all these sorts of things. I mean, the, the political consequences of that are mind-blowing. Yes. You know, ultimately, we the people have a right to get to truth, and that's what we're going to try and provide. But, you know, I, it looks to me like Hunter Biden was making some money off of, off of the creation of the disease that's out there now. I have that same information. Uh, Devin Archer is conveniently put away in prison now. I think he's coming up for release, but he's conveniently out of the way. One other thing that Paul found out, Paul Preston of Agenda 21 Radio, that I didn't have, he told me that uh, uh, on Air Force Two, where this was transported, all six of the crew members are now dead. And uh, that would not surprise me. The, the mystery just grows and grows and grows. And you're kind of walking down this thing. So let me ask a question personally, Tom. Um, you know, I, I, I become friends with many of the people I work with here. And you're one of those people. And I'm concerned about your safety. Um, you, you're getting really close to what I heard eight and a half years ago. Uh, and only on a much deeper level than we had it. 
and I'm worried about your safety. Um, so let me ask you, is this a discussion that like-minded people that you talk to, are, are you concerned about that, and what do you do? Well, you know, there's a lot of dead people that keep coming up when we get around these people, right? When we, when we start getting to some of these core, core issues and find the potential to actually get to some of these people, you know, there's a lot of Jeffrey Epstein-type situations that occur. So, you know, I, I do – there's several things that we do. I mean, one is I tell everybody in the media that I'm not suicidal. I'm quite happy in life, which is actually true. Um, you know, I mean, I, it's kind of an honor to be able to be a nobody that's fighting at this level. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Um, I'll tell you, Dave, I don't talk much about this, and I don't know that I've said this publicly, but, you know, my wife actually had to ask me, and I, it really made me sad, you know, hey, you know, are things in line in case you don't come home one day? And that's a horrible question. It was just recently. And it's, you know, I mean, we've, we've had the, I've had the death threats for a long time and that's, you know, whatever. Um, but that really, it kind of upset me that my wife had to worry about that and that my family's had to be through this because, you know, it's just, it's wrong. I would hope that if something did happen to me, that people would tell my wife, my boys, my kids, you know, that their dad stood for something. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, Dave, I will tell you that, and, and I say this with absolutely no hesitation, because uh, I've made peace with this. I know what I'm fighting. I know who I'm fighting. And it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. And there are things in this world worth dying for, including my kid's freedom, my kid's future. Your kid, you know, I don't know if you've got, you know, if you've got kids or anything, but, you know, oh, our yeah. family's futures. Yeah. You know, there, there are things that are worth my grandparents. Uh, my generation, you know, my grandpa and some others, you know, they were in World War II. Grandpa was in Pearl Harbor. Uh, they stood for something. And I don't I don't say it lightly. I mean, I, I'm aware. I'm aware. And, you know, I got all sorts of people that, have, uh, that tell me, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. But at the end of the day, I just pray. I trust God. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to deviate from my course. It doesn't matter what they do. Yeah, it's it's really true. I know when I first learned about the New World Order, and I don't want to go too far afield, but when I first started to really understand people like Pat Wood, who's Mr. Technocracy now, the expert on it, he was saying back in the eighties on talk shows, he was on long before I ever was doing this. He said, it's like two minutes to midnight. They're getting so close. And I'd say right now it's about 6 AM and they're putting the hooks in. Um, And one of the hooks they put in, I think was what you're describing in Wuhan. Uh, Now, if this shipment went in 2014, which was my information in Paul Preston's. Um, I wonder what they were planning for in 2014. Was it a, do you think it was just speculating now and not giving anything uh, evidentiary, but just speculating. I wonder if they were planning on just a future use where they could use some kind of pandemic to paralyze America, but for an unspecified cause as of yet, because I don't know that anyone in 2014 at that time could have anticipated Donald Trump's run and the rise of populism. How do you look at that topic? Well, I think that this, I think that the plan to use pandemics and stuff like that, I mean, we've got evidence suggesting that they've been planning and working on that for, for a long time. 
Now, you know, where they were specifically in 2014, I don't know. But I do believe that the plan to use a, a pandemic or pandemic-type situations to manipulate, uh, you know, or, or alter the course of, of the way things that are ran in the world uh, was done was something that's been underway. I mean, even going back to the 90s, we got, you know, generals in China talking about using bioweapons to, to attack America and different things like that. So I think that uh, I think that what happened is, and this is it's speculation, but speculation based on an immense amount of research and evidence. I think that uh, the plan was there, but I think that Donald Trump's election uh, shifted the timeline. I think it made him move things up, and I think in part it made him move things up before they were ready. And some of the stuff that they're doing now, I don't think they were ready. Uh, to implement some of it. And I think that's why there's been so many mistakes and so much sloppiness in this. You know, for anybody that doesn't think that COVID was planned or doesn't think that, that you know, some of the responses were planned or that people were doing this, you know, I I got about, you know, 50,000 pages of evidence that suggests otherwise. You know, and I'm not saying that that the release was intentional, but I'm saying the idea of using a pandemic and pushing it, you know, that that was absolutely intentional. I would also say that, you know, to suggest that this was a natural thing is absurd at this point. There is just, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence, and I think one of the most damning pieces of evidence, outside of them just admitting that they were doing this gain-of-function work, uh, which we have records of, is that when, when this came out, you know, there were a lot of people talking about lab origin, and then Fauci and Dasik, you know, we've got the emails. They collaborated to try and cover it up and to hide it. Why would they do that if they didn't have anything to hide? You know, you don't you don't collaborate to to shut people up and to change their stories if you don't have a reason to. So at the at the end of the story here, we look at we look back and it's like, okay, uh, instead of, you know, being honest and forthright and saying, let's look into this new and novel disease, which is what you'd expect someone who is, you know, uh, the head of NIAID or the, you know, uh, Eco Health Alliance, you'd expect them to do that if this was happening, right? But instead what you get is you get a bunch of emails about how we can cover up what's occurred. Well, that's just not, that's not what you do. No human being on the planet would do that if they didn't have something to hide. So I, I think it's very, very clear that this was, you know, made in the lab. And I'm hoping and praying that this suit will help to start being, we just need that first step in accountability. I think then it becomes a, uh, a boulder rolling down a hill. It just picks up speed and, uh, you know, ends up getting us where we need to be on everything COVID. You know, I'm going to give you a little conspiracy theory here, Tom. But I just can't let this go. There is something out there right now that's getting bipartisan support. It's cleared committee, and it's out there for a bill to be voted on. It's called the JCPA, the Journalism Competition and Protection Act. It's going to allow a mega merger between all the mainstream media and advertisers so they can cut out anybody who doesn't have 1,500 employees. That would be mean I'm off the air. Uh, Breitbart would be off the air, for example. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, how are they getting John Kennedy? Uh, Rand Paul is undecided. Ted Cruz flip-flopped. He's supporting this now. It's total censorship. 
And I'm wondering if this uh, move to where they can completely control the alternative media by violating all, they're giving total antitrust exemptions in this bill. So what I'm thinking out loud as you talk is I think you have inevitable discovery. And I think discovery coming from your legal process will be damning. And I think that they want to be able to stop it. Have you heard of the JCPA and have you considered the implications for your efforts? I have not heard of the JCPA, but I can assure you I'll be looking into it because I am a huge, huge, huge fan of free speech. And, uh, I mean, I think that's one of the most fundamental issues that we've faced in all this. And so uh, I'm very eager to look at it because, no, I have not seen anything about it. Uh, it must be, and the fact that it's something so monumental, but nobody's talking about it, certainly indicates to me that we probably ought to be looking at it because, uh, you know, the, anytime they, they try and push something that's bipartisan under the radar like that through, uh, it's usually corrupt. Well, let me tell you what I saw. This, this is firsthand witness speaking now, and I don't know if it's still available, but it was on YouTube. And I happened across it. I'd heard of the JCPA. And when I saw there was a committee hearing on it, I said, I better watch this. And I believe it was a C-SPAN YouTube uh, connection. And in there, uh, Amy Clochabar is the sponsor of the bill. And in this, Tom, she was furious because Ted Cruz had introduced an amendment that says, okay, we'll allow antitrust exemptions for advertising, but not for censorship of free speech. And she had a fit, and she said, I'm withdrawing the bill, and she did. And then three or four days later, then we had another news release that Ted Cruz and she had reached an agreement, and the bill was going forward, and there's no restrictions on the antitrust exemptions. So I saw this with my own eyes. I saw the committee hearing going on. I saw John Kennedy from Louisiana speak to this, and he's now in support of it, too. This is scary. This is really scary. This is a real deal. And, you know, Tom, don't feel like you're left in the wilderness. I've asked this to several people who who need to have their word told and have their story out there. And very few people have heard of this, yet the documentation's unmistakable. Yeah, no, I assure you that I'll I'll look into it. And I'm not... uh, One thing I'm upset about is that I haven't heard about it. You know, I understand, you know, just some guy from Ohio. It's not like uh, I'm a political insider that I get this information, so I'm not offended by that. I mean, they they do more sneaky, shady stuff than I can possibly uh, describe. So that it doesn't surprise me that that'd be the case. But you know, I don't. Uh, I just don't know. You know, the the attacks on free speech, uh, the ta- the censorship, the collusion, the top down control that these guys are trying to push. At the end of the day, we the people are going to stand up and say, hell no, or we the people will have no freedoms and no country. It's just that simple. Exactly. Well, you're exactly right. We're, we're almost there now. With regard to your lawsuit, I'm assuming this is civil as opposed to criminal, correct? Yeah, we can't bring criminal. I, I wish if I were a prosecutor, I can assure you there would have been a lot of criminal charges by now. Yeah. Um, but I just see the Senate just grandstanding with uh, Fauci. They got him on gain of function. They got him for lying to, to Congress. Uh, how is he still walking around unindicted? Well, you see, this is one of the big things that I'm asking, right? 
So, you know, we've heard a bunch of people talking about how they're going to get Fauci. And they've, they've been raising a lot of money and doing a lot of things with it. Okay, so I spent six months working to put together a report the 130 plus citations corroborated by a first-hand witness testimony from a veteran who worked at Sandia Labs, has national security clearance, has all sorts of things, a brilliant guy. I put a bow on this and send it off, and I can't get a single person to talk about it. And I put out a little tweet or the truth or whatever the other day, and I, I asked the question. I said, you know, if the Republicans are too afraid to talk about what's going on before the election because they're concerned about big pharma, you know, funding their opponents. Why should we trust them to do something after the election when they're not accountable? You know, I just, I, I, I think that we need to be asking ourselves that. I don't, you know, I'm not asking for the Republicans to do something they can't. And I pick on the Republicans because they're the closest thing to representatives we have. Democrats are long gone. But, you know, the Republicans... I'm not asking them to to bring this all down right now because they can't. I understand they're not in the majority, but they could at least discuss it. They could talk about it. They could say, listen, if we get elected, we're going to take this down. We're going to shut it down. But, you know, I can't I couldn't list the thing that they stand for other than Mitch McConnell preserving his Chinese wife's shipping deals. I mean, you know, that's they're just these people are yeah. garbage. Let, let me express that in case someone doesn't know, because you just hit a good point. Mitch McConnell single-handedly destroying eight Republican senatorial races by inconsistent funding or withdrawing funding altogether. There are eight races like Blake Masters, Dr. Oz, so forth, Herschel Walker. There are eight races that are winnable right now within the margin of error, yep. and he's withdrawing the funding, uh, but he's supporting Lisa Murkowski. Uh, absolute Liz Cheney style rhino in Alaska. He's one of them. He is one of them. And that's what, kind of what you're referring to here. And and why is he one of them? And you hit it. His wife, uh, her parents uh, control the six major ports in communist China. And he makes about $25 million a year off that operation from side operations. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, just make sure we're lying in our own pockets at the expense of the American people. That's that's the prerequisite to be elected right now. You know, I mean, you got to someone has to have something on you where they can control you. And uh, it's it's really it's just a sad state. But, you know, luckily, we've you know, we got a few people. Uh, Johnson, you know, he's been very outspoken and honest about this. I hope people are supporting him. You know, Rand Paul and Jim Jordan have both talked a lot about going after Fauci. So, you know, I've made sure that this has been sent to them. I'm hoping that they'll do something with it. They haven't said anything so far. Uh, and by the way, uh, anybody listening, feel free to ask them what they're going to do with it and why they aren't speaking out and then share it, because I'd love to get some responses. Um, you know, be, be polite, because these guys are two of the few that have actually spoken out at all. You know, I mean, I'll take speaking out at least a little bit, but it just, to me, we need people who are going to take action. We need people who are going to take a stand and to hell with the consequences. You know, the consequences, the consequences are that you're standing for freedom. You may preserve freedom, but you might, you might get into a little bit of trouble with these elections. Well, so what? Who do you represent, yourself or the people? And that's the question we need to ask. 
Yeah, well, we've lost sight of who they represent. There's something else I want to bring up, and, and uh, I wasn't going to bring this up because I didn't think of it. But I, I want to see what your knowledge of this is, and, and it may relate to your case. I suspect it does. Uh, I found on Scribd um, many years ago, uh, in 2015, Obama, through multiple federal officials, multiple departments, DOJ, so forth, they flew Ukrainian prosecutors to the United States. Um, I They have scrubbed this of Scribd scrub from script but i still have the hard copies and i published it twice on my website they i have the itineraries of these uh prosecutors flying into frankfurt germany then flying into dc uh we have the airlines the flight numbers we know what federal officials conducted what seminars for these attorneys and they this went on for a monday through friday deal and then everybody went home and here's what they were doing they were teaching the prosecutors how to prosecute Burisma without ensnaring American politicians or their family members. And this this makes so much sense because you got the election coming up the following year, and certainly they thought Hillary was going to be the choice, but it looks like Obama was saying, well, just in case, we better do a CYA and fly these guys in. And I raised the point in an article I wrote I said, what the hell? Don't they have law schools in Ukraine? Why are they allowing themselves to be manipulated by our government officials to obscure crimes? Did you know about this? So I had heard about this. I I don't have any evidence on it. Um, And I haven't (laughs) seen the papers, which I, you know, I, I, so it's good to know who's got a copy. I got a copy. Um, And you know what? We'll we'll communicate later. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get this in your hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Obama was and still is kind of one of the core problems we're facing. But for Obamacare, you didn't have COVID. And I can lay that out. That's a that's a whole show in and of itself. But, you know, the other thing, one of the things that's most important that Obama did that nobody talks about is in his second term, yeah, they, everybody talks about the insurance policy that, that the FBI guys were talking about that, that they had against Trump. Well, the real insurance policy was not the FBI guys. The real insurance policy was that Obama had removed almost all of the brass from the Pentagon and the intelligence communities and replaced them with his own people. Well, if you look, COVID-19 was entirely... DOD. I mean, this whole thing was, I mean, everybody looks at Fauci and Department of Health and Human Services, but let's think about this. Do you really believe that we transferred the te- technology necessary to develop this kind of a, a, a biological disaster to a Chinese bioweapons facility, which Wuhan lab is tied to all of their bioweapons development? Uh, does anybody believe that we did this work and transferred this technology there without knowledge of our intelligence community, without the knowledge of our DOD? And further, you know, we have from Dr. Huff, a pitch deck that he did for InQtel, which is a CIA front company. Mm-hmm. We know that. I actually have government documents showing that. Um, we have all sorts of fingerprints from the CIA. And you know, they knew what was going on. Now, why they did it's a great question and something I don't have an answer for. Uh, I mean, it's hard to fathom how you could be this stupid, but 
you know, this is very much DOD. All the contacts for vaccines and everything are DOD, which prevents discovery and allows for different procurement rules. Uh, I mean, there there's just an immense number of things that that were done through the Department of Defense and through these. That was one of Obama's real coups, is putting what apparently are corrupt monsters in charge in the intelligence community and uh, the DOD. And that's how a lot of this has been done. You know, it's something that's not well known, it's not well recognized, but it's foundational. And I also think, Dave, and I've said this a couple times, but I, uh, I haven't said it too much. So if you look, when President Trump was coming in, you know, he was obviously attacked and went through hell for four years. But I think that just as dangerous, if not more, to the to what's going on was General Flint. Now, if you look at the attacks that he endured, they didn't even make sense. You know, to go after him the way that they did doesn't even make sense unless you think about this. Flynn had announced before he had came, before they came in that he was going to audit the Black Book projects. Now, remember, General Flynn ran the Defense, uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, so he knows how to look at this stuff. Guy's a brilliant guy, and he is a patriot. I know him real well. So Flynn was going to audit this. He made it known that he was going to audit these Black Book projects. Black Book projects, for anybody who doesn't know, are, are, you know, when we see that the Defense Department spends millions and millions of dollars on things that make no sense, well, it's, it's because they, they put money into things that they don't actually account for. They're called black book because it's off the books. Well, Flynn was going to audit that. My belief is, is that had Flynn came in and audited this, he would have seen all this stuff being set up. That's why they had to take him out. That's why they had to try and eliminate him and, and destroy him and destroy his family. Because I think he was as great of a threat to the, to the establishment as Donald Trump. And one of Donald Trump's smartest moves was having him. I also think that losing him was one of the greatest losses to, to, to the president's uh, you know, tenure. Because had Flynn been able to get into the dirt that was going on in the DIA, CIA, Defense Department, that would have absolutely undermined a vast majority of what's going on. So I think that that's, you know, it's, it's not well discussed, it's not well known, and it's debatable, but uh, that's kind of my take on it. I don't even know how debatable that is, Tom. I, th I think it's on the money. We now have in the news that uh, Christopher Steele is out there floating around a million dollars to lie to FISA courts and the DOJ on these very issues of the Russian collusion delusion that was used to get rid of Flynn. So I, I think I think you're tying the knot right here. To me, there's no question what they did. But we had a corrupt judge who let Sussman off um, uh, for lying to Congress about these issues. I just wonder what they're going to do to escape the million-dollar bounty that we see that's floating around out there that Fox News is reporting on. It's just, it, it, you are so on the money with this, and, and I don't think it's speculation. I know there's what we know and there's what you can prove in court, but this yeah. this is, uh, to me, all of the connecting entities are surfacing now. And, and in fact, we get into, not so for our discussion, but... Tom, the one thing that really is striking to me now is how much medical evidence is coming out 
about the bad effects of the vaccine, the fact the vaccine wasn't tested for long-term effects, uh, and and the boosters tested only on animals, and I I could go on and on and on. But what I'm saying is, Mm -hmm. it it looks to me, let, let me give you the layman's perspective, and we're just playing speculation here. This isn't a trial. But it looks to me like this was a bioweapon waiting that could impose martial law, and they waited for the right cause, the removal of Trump by the changing of election laws due to an alleged pandemic coming in so we can get, do ballot stuffing and all this other nonsense uh, in the name of uh, handling our medical emergency. I mean, what this was, I think what you're into right now is you've discovered how medical martial law was thrust upon the American people for two years to change an election. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And, you know, and again, there's what we can prove and what we believe. And I believe that's correct. I absolutely believe that was correct. I believe this was the cornerstone of all that's happening. I also think that if you look, you know, if you're sitting in my seat, you got to remember my perspective on this is shaped by almost three years of 24 seven work. I mean, you know, some of the stuff is is speculation but it's not unfounded right it's based on an immense amount of effort and research so you know when i look at this i think that uh that that's absolutely true but i also think that because i don't think that they could properly account for what i would just call god um you know so god's got an interesting way of doing things and maybe you're a believer maybe you're not a believer uh, well, I know you, but for the listeners, um, here's the thing. Whether you believe in God or you believe in random chance, humanity's got a, uh, it's a big thing. There's a lot of people, a lot of things. I don't think that they could account for every nobody like me and like some of the other people who stood up and fought like this. And I think that what happened was is we were able to leverage some cracks in this and that the narrative's breaking down. Now, I will tell you that I had private meetings over a year ago with people, uh, a year and a half ago, they're talking about election stuff, talking about this, talking about that. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stay the course on what I'm doing. I'm going to keep focused. I'm going to, because if the people can see that they were defrauded on this, then the people will be able to understand that, yes, it's possible. They were defrauded on everything. It's a, it's, such a foundational piece to this. So I've stuck with the COVID and I've worked very hard on it. I've done work in just about anything you can imagine, you know, a lot of it behind the scenes, but the outspoken stuff has been on COVID. And it is, the, the, the narrative is collapsing. The truth is coming out. And it's a really interesting time because at the end of the day, you know, you asked about my safety, you asked about this. Well, the, when you corner an animal, they get dangerous. And we have a group of, of very corrupt monsters with incredible amounts of power who are now cornered. They had this plan. They thought it was all going to work. But we, the people, stood up. We fought. And now there's concerns. What's going to happen? How is this going to play out? Are they going to catch us? And the thing about it is, is if you're a billionaire and you've been, you thought you were going to take over the world with this, or if you're part of the CCP or, you know, some big powerful monster that was a part of this and behind the scenes, you know, the thing is, is you know that if this is tied to you, you don't go back to being a rich billionaire. 
you don't go back to, you know, you spend six months in the Martha Stewart jail, but, you know, it's really just a resort. This is the kind of thing where you get six and a half million dead people from a disease that you created in the lab and countless millions more that are going to be dead from these vaccines. There is no going back to the good life. So these guys have no choice. They have to do whatever it takes to win. Because if they lose, they lose. They don't just lose a bit. They lose everything. And, you know, these are people who the material aspects of their lives are all they have. So it's a very dangerous time right now for our country, for our world, for freedom. And that's why they have to suppress what we're doing. Because if the truth is out and the people hear it, that's, that's the end of it. But, you know, it is coming out. And if you look at what they're saying about the vaccines and the disease now, it's what I was arguing a year ago. And in, at the end of the day, I may never get credit for anything I've done, and that's okay. I don't care about that one bit. But at the end of the day, the seeds that I'm planting will end up sprouting. <laughs> the truth will come out. Everybody will know what's happened because we found it. It's inarguable. People will continue to build on my work. People will continue to build on what we've developed and found, and the truth will eventually be be out. So, you know, I think we're going to win it. Uh, the ifs, the whens, you know, those are all there, but we just got to keep fighting. Who's the uh, plaintiff in the case? We have several plaintiffs. Uh, they're, they're people who were sick or injured or have loved ones that were killed by COVID-19. And the thing about the case is it's structured in a way where anybody who was sick, killed, or injured by COVID-19 would potentially be a plaintiff. So I'm actually, Dave, I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you this because I'm getting a huge boot out of this. I just have always just, I don't like ambulance chasers. It's not my kind of law. It's not my kind of thing. I mean, I'm all in favor of making sure that people who are injured get justice. But, you know, I just, in a million years, I never thought I would do this, ever. But I actually, I don't know if it's up there yet or not, but I'm actually putting on my website a, if you've been, if you or a loved one have been sick or injured or from COVID-19, you know, please send us your information. Because I think what we're trying to do is is structure this where we can actually bring accountability and, and, uh, you know, I, I can't bring your loved ones back. I can't t- fix the time that you spent in the hospital, but I'm hoping that I can bring some justice and accountability to the people who caused it. So we're, we're actually putting that on my website, which is just something I never in a million years thought I would be a guy who had a, if you've been injured by, uh, on my website, I was just, it's, but you know, it's, it's what we've got to do. This reminds me of the Camp Lejeune ads that you see incessantly on TV, the way you couch that, except there's one difference. You won't find yeah. one network that will run this ad. No, no, I don't think that there will be, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, we do. Actually, I'm actually doing a few Camp Lejeune things. Those are those are good. Those poor people, they, they really got hosed. But the, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to fight hard to not do this. But I got a few tricks up my sleeve, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm surprised the Camp Lejeune thing is getting legs. And so then I sit back and I say, okay, I know that the administration in the deep state doesn't do something without prior planning with multiple goals. 
And so I'm wondering, what are they, yeah. what are they gaining from this? Do you, do you, do you have any idea why, why they're allowing Clamp Lejeune to dominate the ad, late night advertising? Oh, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, you got to give something here and there, right? I mean, if you, you, a lot of lawyers were bought off to keep their silence and to not jump into this fight. You got to give them something to make some money on. I mean, yeah. You know, the, you know, there's a reason that, that, you know, guys like me are pretty much all you see on the COVID fight. It's not because I'm the biggest or the best. It's just I'm the only one willing to do it. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's more coming in now. And, you know, that's that. But uh, especially starting out, you know, I was not the guy that you would think would be the one that would be championing a cause like this. I mean, you got nobody from a little town in Ohio. And, uh you know, I'm honored that I did, and God blessed me to give me that opportunity. But at the end of the day, you would have thought some of these big giant firms would have been doing what I'm doing, but they all seem to find good reasons not to. They want to be judges. That's why. They, yeah, they, they want to be judges, yeah. or they were hired by big hospitals or big pharma uh, for ridiculous amounts of money and then couldn't do it because they, uh, you know, they were conflicted out. There were a lot of tricks. I mean, we've seen a couple. I've had a couple firms that that were getting into this or interested in it, and then all of a sudden had to stop because they signed a new client, which was the local hospital or the local this or the local that, and there would be a conflict. So, you know, and the money from that new client was way too good to pass up. Yeah, that's true. Money makes the world go round. That's absolutely true. Uh, Without revealing anything you can't say about the court case, and we understand that, can you tell us where the case is at right now? It's current legal standing. Yeah, so we just filed it. Uh, we're working through the process, and and uh, we're not we're at the very initial stages. I mean, we announced that it was filed. Uh, you know, making sure that we get service properly handled, and that uh, uh, the the processes are being done properly, and then we'll have the motion play coming up, and. Uh, We'll see what happens. I'm very, I'm going to tell you, Dave, that of all the cases, so we've got a, two types of cases that I do. They're the big, high-profile, complicated cases that everybody hears about, and then there's the stuff that we do every day to help regular people. The regular people stuff's gone very well. The big, high-profile stuff is very slow and very painful and very difficult. Uh, but of the big, high-profile cases, I would say that this is the strongest case we filed in a lot of ways. And the reason I say that is that this is when you're suing the government over a lockdown or over a vaccine or something like that, a lot of this is new. Nobody's ever done it, right? So the lawyers are figuring out how to deal with it. The courts are figuring out how to deal with it. And everybody's trying to decide you know, what the best way to proceed is. Now, this case, however, is different. Because this case is very much a well-established round block, round hole case. This is a toxic tort case. This is an asbestos case. This is a mold case. This is a, I build a dynamite factory, the dynamite factory blew up and killed some people. I'm liable case, right? Um, you know, you've you got a factory that does something that's abnormally dangerous. As a result of that abnormally dangerous activity, you know, people get hurt or injured or killed you're liable. It's very straightforward. So, you know, I think that it's a a very strong case. I'm excited to see where it goes. And uh, I'm hopeful that it'll be the first step in in real accountability. 
do you are you confident you can get past summary judgment? I'm assuming you are because you're filing the case. Yeah, no, I think that this is a, I think that this case should get to the jury. Um, I think that this should be able to move forward. You know, there's an immense amount of facts and that's now, you know, I mean, yeah, I think that we should get to discovery. I think that we should get some amazing discovery. And I think that we should get to, uh, to trial because, you know, it's, we just got really strong evidence here. And I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good case. See, I don't know if the medical leprechaun that we call Fauci knows who I am. Guarantee you, he knows who you are. Oh, this is I'm, this is groundbreaking stuff, Tom. It really is. It's earth shattering. I'm pretty sure he does know who I am. I'm guessing I'm not on his Christmas card list. <laughs> uh, he's a you know that little that little toad needs to be held accountable. Yeah, and I look forward to to doing so. You know, it's uh, he's not named on this case, uh, but there are John and Jane Doe one through a thousand. And the reason for that is, is that sometimes when you file a lawsuit, you know, you always file it on the necessary parties that you believe that you can show are potentially liable for the lawsuit. And we did that. We were very, very careful and very conservative about this case. You know, we, we listed people that we absolutely believed should be held liable on this. So we're going to see what happens okay. there. But part of it is we're asking for discovery to see who else we may need to add because we can't, from from where we are, we can see that the case that we filed had good legs to be filed. Once we get a little bit of discovery, it may be that there are other necessary mm-hmm. parties, and if there are, I look very much forward to adding them. Can't wait for that to happen. Now, I know these things aren't free, and uh, you've endured some financial hardship, uh, as so many have who fought against COVID and against the establishment. So you have a website, yep. you you take donations, and the time we have left, tell people how they can help you. Please go to rens-law.com. It's R-E-N-Z-law.com. We do need some donations if we could. I'm hoping to expand what we can do. This is a very big, very complicated case. We're doing as much as we can. If I got the money and the capacity, I'll fight every freedom cause we can. So uh, we've got to give, send, go there if you'd be willing, and we'd be grateful for any donations. If you sign up for our sub stack, that's free. But if you choose to pay for it, then we, uh, we use that money for the fight. And basically every dime I get goes into the fight. I haven't, the, the amount that I pay myself and the amount that I get is the exact same as before I started. Um, this isn't about me. This is about our future. And, and I do hope that people will consider helping us. But if you can't give us money or things like that, share our message, share this show. But first and foremost, say a prayer for us. Uh, I will tell you that I will take a prayer over a dollar any day. And I actually sincerely mean that. I would rather have you say a prayer than send me some money, because if you will send me a prayer, it will give me whatever I need. Exactly. You're exactly. <laughs> Music to the ears. Uh, th- this is why you're one of our favorite top guests here 
on the Common Sense Show because your priorities are in the right place because we're handing our kids a pile of crap to live in and we've got to do something to turn it around. And this is one of the steps that needs to be taken. Tom, thanks so much for what you do, my friend. It's always uh, very generous of you to come on our show and share the latest, and I look forward to having you back as uh, circumstances merit. One of my favorite shows to do, Dave. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Tom. Take care.